From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. The national debt me, in September like of 2001 so was $3.3 trillion. It is now times by 10, bipartisan White House, bipartisan Senate, bipartisan Congress. There is no talk to curb spending, let alone pay off the debt. Why isn't there a formula that politicians are putting forward to not only stop bankrupting our nation, but to apply a future with hope? Not even talk of any plan to pay off the debt, let alone stop the spending. Well, it's not going to come from Washington, D.C. It'll come from independent minds, experts in the field of economics, like my next guest. My next guest is a policy advisor for the Heartland Institute. He's also an independent economist who's a member of think tanks in this country, Australia, and many others. He is Darren Nelson. Darren, thank you for joining me. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Um, this is particularly upsetting because there is no such thing, in my opinion, as a debt. There is just a guarantee of future taxation. It will become the weapon that is used against generations in perpetuity, which is why it's advantageous for a government to accumulate massive amounts of debt. The question is, do the people want it to stop, and should do they have the information to apply to make it stop, in your opinion? Ah, well, those are two, two uh, hard, uh, separate questions. Um, I think uh, we finally have, you know, through the report that's just come out um, by me to the Heartland Institute, um, I not only give a solution, but obviously I start out by kind of setting out in more detail, you know, what the problem is and, and you know, where it comes from and all that. I mean, you talk about debt, um, definitely debt, um, it, it certainly encourages tax increases. But the other thing it does is it encourages a lot of money printing. That's, you know, often they don't even, um, nowadays, you might notice that the Democrats, for instance, aren't really pushing all that hard for tax increases um, because their new weapon, if you like, to, to harm the average American is through printing way too much money. There's an arbitrage that's available that the average citizen is unaware of. There's a lot of money in printing debt out of thin air because you don't print it like the old days. You actually click it in a mouse. So you've got all kinds of scandalous schemes, whether it's reverse repo or whatever, bank to bank, or giving them collateral uh, prices that are unreasonable and allowing them to loan 100% on an asset that's lost 25%. So you've got a lot of, a lot of backdoor policies that are enriching the people who go along with it. Sadly, it's banks and hedge funds, but is there still an appetite to acquire American debt when we are on this path of not just parabolic debt, but a path of bankruptcy? After all, we're accumulating $1.2 billion an hour in debt. Uh, there's no talk of actual revenue because you can't separate the revenue from the spending anymore. It's appearing as revenue, right? Uh, well, yeah, yes and no. Um, uh so what, what what they're doing is, I mean, you mentioned some of it. Um, it's actually kind of quite a bit worse than that. I mean, my, my paper doesn't spend, you know, a lot of time 
on sort of, you know, the, the monetary sort of aspects. But since, you know, that's actually one of my areas of, you know, sort of interest and, and I guess, you know, to some extent expertise. So what what happens um, is, and, and this is not, a, you know, some sort of weird conspiracy theory, um, because, of, you know, for instance, the Bank of England, which is the very first central bank in the world, and the Federal Reserve basically does the same sort of thing. They wrote the, these great papers um, that set out exactly how money is created. Um, and, um, you know, for the, the impression that most people have is, you know, like, oh, you know, someone sticks, you know, a dollar of savings in and that could potentially be, be lent out. It's actually not that. Actually, what happens is that dollar that may come in from savings, you can, the banks can actually create a, another $9 out of thin air. Yeah, so fractional, just, you know, fractional lending. Yeah, fractional reserve banking, you know, yeah. they call that, and or lending. Um, so, you know, that that plus, you know, the central banks themselves, you know, will um, obviously give money off, give money to the big banks um, through their process, and, and sadly launder a lot of it through the federal treasury. Um, you know, this just, you know, is actually a far bigger danger, if you like, than, um, than taxes in many ways. Yeah. But to get back to my paper... This is all, you know, mainly driven, particularly since, you know, you know, the, the meltdown in 2008, um, you know, they're, they're basically the lending and the money creation is really to prop up government spending, and in particular the U.S. Um, and, you know, sort of when I looked at this, even I was kind of surprised to realize how bad the U.S. government has been, as you mentioned, bipartisan over at least since, you know, 1970, probably going further back, but the statistics aren't that great going past, you know, going further back from 1970. They were actually worse than the European Union, you know, which is saying something. <laughs> well, this is the part that I think people need to be made aware of. This, to me, is not an accident. You know, and I don't care if it's called a conspiracy or whatever it is, because there's something people have to realize, that government is not incentivized to succeed and deliver. Otherwise, they would, because the formula is there. Tell us about the formula you've discovered to control spending and pay off the debt. And then, I, you know, I know you can't give me a reason as to why it's not even being bantied about, about by anybody, let alone a politician who can do something about it. So tell me what you would propose had you had the magic wand. Yeah, look, um, uh, you mentioned that, you know, I, I work, um, you know, sort of in the U.S. and Australia in particular. Um, I'm a dual citizen of both countries, family, both places, all that. Um, so, you know, in Australia, I did a lot of sort of public utilities um, pricing, and um, the, the sort of approach they use there in particular is this thing called CPI minus X. So, you know, CPI gives you kind of inflation, so the utilities can kind of, you know, put up their prices by inflation, but they got the minus X, um, which then, you know, depending on how efficient or inefficient they are, could then make, you know, so that they actually get you know, actual spending cuts over time. Now, utilities are nowhere near as inefficient as, say, the U.S. federal government. So, you know, I applied the CPI minus X to the federal government, and lo and behold, it's super inefficient, and thus I can actually objectively, you know, cut down their spending. And, and actually, in reality, I'm, I'm, you know, giving them three presidential terms to do it. Um, but eventually it cuts it down 50%. Um, back to 2008 levels. And that's actual, you know, dollars, Think of, you know, not some trickery. Darren, it, it, the way the system is set up, it doesn't need a representative republic anymore. They've built 
growth into the actual system, whether you call it baseline budgeting or whatever the case is, we've, we've incentivized these bureaucracies and the government writ large to blow through the money. Because when they do, we have a built-in increase. And this has been known for decades, and the people want it to stop. We've sent politicians there to stop. But just like a back room in Chicago, they laugh at the people, and they do whatever the hell they want. Can't we just win that argument? Let's just stop the automatic increase? Yeah, well, look, that, that's, that's what um, we're trying to do here with you know the seat guy minus X. Um, it, it also solves a lot of this ridiculous, you know, um, political theater that you get, you know, with, with you know, continuing resolutions, shutdowns and all the rest. But but, but you're right. Um, this, it, so the main thing that CPI minus X says is if you can get it in place, and obviously there's, you know, a bunch of politics and, and influencing that needs to be done to make, you know, to make that happen. But if you get it in place, it's just automatic. You know, like basically every year the budget's going to go down, you know, and, and this will be allocated across 10 different policy areas. And, you know, there's agencies that sit underneath that, and they're just going to have to meet it. You know, they'll have a cap, basically, and that's fine. You know, propose what you, you want to do underneath that cap, um, but you're going to get a cap. And everybody will get a haircut. Now, they don't all get the same haircut. Um, interestingly enough, you know, defense will get the, you know, the least haircut, if you like. Um, but, and welfare will get kind of a medium-level haircut. And things like cronyism will get the biggest haircut. Good. Good. It's about time we put these guys out of work because it's a scam. But the other thing that I, I, I've always wanted to know, what is the Federal uh, Reserve, what is their profitability every year? Um, well, look, um, apparently, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a, a huge expert on this, but um, I, I will point people to, uh, you might be familiar with this website and this, this uh, think tank. You familiar with the, the Mises Institute? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Love yeah. Them. So, Back yeah, when they were called the Von Mises. I don't know why they dropped the Von, but go ahead. <laughs> That's true. They, they actually used to have the whole name, Ludwig Von Mises. I, I love it. Come on, we need a uh, Von. Makes people nervous. Go ahead. So so anyway, the Mises, M-I-S-E-S dot org, they've been doing some, you know, they, they've been on top of, you know, sort of the Federal Reserve. Um, I, I noticed that um, when I was waiting to get online with you guys that you had a, a, an ad from Ron Paul. So Ron Paul's, you know, one of the people who helped start the Mises Institute. So, um, so anyway, they got some great stuff on the Federal Reserve. Apparently, it has been running losses actually, um, and um, so you know people can pop on to Mises.org, look up you know Federal Reserve losses pretty quickly. You know, kind of, kind of, kind of read where that's at, and you know what are the kind of you know what are the potential consequences for that over time. Um, but you know the, the Federal Reserve. You know, as I understand, you know, they, they've got, you know, people who are, you know, I'm not sure if you've talked about this. I imagine you have, you know, modern monetary theory. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they're, they're now kind of embracing that, you know, at least at, you know, kind of the top levels, you know, maybe not everywhere, like in the St. Louis Reserve and other places. But, you know, for the most part, they're being driven by this, you know, completely ridiculous idea of MMT. You know, I I have a question for you because I've I've felt like this for for decades, and I I remember um, the Reagan years. I was uh, in high school uh, during the the first part of them and graduated in the middle of it, and there was there was a misnomer that has happened since his presidency. This idea that the way to curb inflation 
is to raise rates. I find it amazing that the American people tolerate the Federal Reserve, an entity comes out and says, we're going to bankrupt you, the massive majority of you, in order to control your ability to acquire things. And through that, we're going to control prices and bring it down. That's the exact opposite of our own history. Paul Volcker, whose real name is Adolf, his first name, I, I, I love the fact that they dropped Adolf Volcker, was a Jimmy Carter guy. He wasn't a Ronald Reagan guy. Ronald Reagan got in and cut rates and lowered inflation. He cut rates and he freed regulation and he allowed the people to become uh, part of the economy in a massive group of numbers. How has this current group of politicians and media been allowed to rewrite that very history? Is it just that there's so few guys that are aware of what actually was the remedy to destroy the 1970s inflation, which nearly bankrupted 80% of the country? Ah, yes. Um, so you're not a fan of Volcker? Is that, is that I don't like Volcker. I think he's a fraud. First of all, he was hired by Jimmy Carter, who thought oil was going to expire in 35 years. But the other thing is, he rode the coattails of an idea he didn't have. He wanted to continue to raise rates or keep them at high levels. It was Ronald Reagan and his understanding of Austrian economics that said, no, 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 we're going to cut rates. And that's always left out of the Reagan years and the Reagan economy that you could argue lasted until George Bush and, and, uh, and uh, the intern molester Bill Clinton bastardized it through the Community Reinvestment Act. But the reality is... They cut rates. They allowed more people to participate in the economy, not fewer. And the idea that in the year 2024, we admit we're going to make things very hard for people. We're going to make it so more people have to go on welfare and become part of the dole. I find that offensive. Yeah, look, and interestingly enough, um, obviously you also remember that, um, you know, into the 90s, you know, um, obviously uh, Clinton in his first two years wanted to move away from sort of, you know, the things that made America successful under Reagan. And to, to be honest, um, George Sr. was kind of... Wasn't terrible? A good economic manager. Terrible. He was terrible. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was pretty bad. And, yeah. and But, you know, to Clinton's credit, in terms of, like, he obviously doesn't have any principles, but when Newt Gingrich came in, you know, they did work together, and they kind of went back to kind of at least, you know, on the economic side, I'm putting, putting aside... Clinton's social policies and all that sort of stuff. No, he was great economically. Yeah, yeah, they went back to kind of Reagan-type policies, um, you know, particularly on, uh, you know, and they kept spending, you know, they they weren't awesome on spending, but they were a lot better than what we've seen in the 21st century under George W., um, Obama, uh, obviously Biden, but but also, sadly, and I wouldn't put this on Trump. You know, I put this more on, on Paul Ryan and his Congress, his do-nothing Congress. Yes. Um, you know, they, they just didn't tackle spending either. And, and the thing with spending, you know, I'll give you kind of a little bit of, a, you know, the economics of spending. I mean, obviously, sure, it, it certainly puts the pressure on to raise taxes. Um, but spending itself, um, you know, distorts the economy. Like, it, it pushes the private sector out of the way. You know, if you have government, you know, using up more resources, you have less private sector, which then puts upward pressure on prices. Um, you know, it basically crowds out the private sector and increasingly does so. Oh, and, 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 then, and, and, and that's where you're an expert in Chicago policy. And, and to me, Darren, that's the goal. That's the difference. You know, listen, I think 
Bill Clinton is a loathsome roach of a human being. I, I call his wife the Duchess of Chaffington. There's no question about it. But the beauty of that self-enriching, self-aggrandizing fraud is that he wanted to succeed because he knew it made the other scandals go away. So the, the thing that I'll compliment him on is economically he wanted to succeed, and that's why he was pliable. He, he knew he was selling a, a line of bull dung with the Keynesianism soiree that grabbed hold bipartisan and was, was adopted by Bushes and the rest of it. But he wanted to succeed. And I think that's the difference between yesteryear and the modern-day Chicago Marxist mafia member. They understand that failure is their ally, and that's why it's their goal. And I think I, my concern is there are enough of the Bush Republicans and Paul Ryan Republicans to go along with it. And I'm wondering if you think we can come up with this simple formula of CPI minus X and prove beyond the shadow of a doubt without an argument, this works. Let's do it. You know, based, it's not, you know, sort of opinion based. It's basically what, what it does is, you know, this minus X thing is, is basically benchmarking the federal government itself. Like, where did it ever get cuts since 1970? It also benchmarks the 50 states, you know, where did they get cuts? And it also benchmarks, you know, a handful of, of um, countries like Australia, Japan, Israel, the European Union, and some others. And, and basically that goes into objectively coming up with the cuts over time, you know. And it also gives, you know, you don't have to have this ridiculous debate of like, you know, well, you know, defense versus welfare. Everybody gets a cut, right? Um, cause, so know, what is the value of X? What is the minus? There's ten. There's ten X's because there's ten policy areas. Um, but you know, it, it um, essentially, you know, I think the CPI ends up being something like, um, you know, five percent. The X factors are bigger than than that five percent. And like I said, you know, like there'll be, you know, a less of a cut for things like defense, and there'll be a bigger cut ultimately for things like you know the crony capitalism, the subsidies of renewable energy, and all their buddies basically. Yeah. And. Um, and it takes, you know, like I said, it, you know, by 2038, this is pretty doable, you know, by 2038, instead of us having, you know, sort of a $13 trillion spending budget, you know, it's, it's back to something like 2008 levels, which would be more like $4 trillion, right? Yeah. Do you and, and currently it's about $8 trillion. You know, do you re- do you remember when Bush came out after the collapse and said, I have to break the rules of capitalism to save it? It was at that point that I said nothing will ever be the same. I think that was the pinpoint of the bastardization of what I disagreed with called Keynesianism. You would offend even John Maynard Keynes, who was hard to offend, um, but you, you would offend even his principles, and we need something to get back on track. So you're at the Heartland Institute. Where can they get a breakdown of X? Because it's, you know, it's one thing to talk about it. I, I, I want the people to be able to go somewhere and actually learn about it. Where do you recommend they go? Yeah, Heartland, which is you know heartland.org. Um, and, uh, you know, you'll, pr- you'll probably see it right away in the homepage. You know, it's kind of one of the big new reports mm-hmm. out. But if not, just, you know, simply put, you know, CPI with a minus sign X. And, yeah. um, and, and then, yeah, it, it's, you know, like it's about a 25-page report, and it'll give you all, you know, if someone really wants to see some of the details and, you know, look, you know, what are the X factors and, and how did I come up with them and all that, it's all mm-hmm. there. Now, Darren Nelson, the only way I'm going to get to a think tank is as a waiter. Do you actually wear the sport coats with the elbow patches and smoke pipes, or are you a bunch of regular guys that know how to fix things? 
Because I think we're kind of I think we're kind of regular guys. I've never had that outfit that you just described. Uh, <laughs> very good. Well, if I ever take in your order one day, I can't wait to have a conversation face to face. He is Darren Nelson. Thank you so much for making time out of the Heartland Institute to come on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you.